0: welcome to the Saint podcast thanks for joining us our vision is to bring hope to the people of east london and i'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk If you're in Temi's connect group, like make noise all the way through, come on Temmie. Cheers mate, thanks. Awkward stage hard there we go. Um, I was literally about to bring my uh, my coffee mug up and I thought it would be too like, bougie East London, um, so I've left it and also it's finished, so um, it, it can stay there. Anyway, you guys good? Yeah? Amazing. Um, that was a dead response, but we'll work on that. Um, I love preaching at this service because like, you guys are like family, like friends. And I didn't say that at 11, if you're wondering, like he says this all the time. Um, Genuinely, I love you guys. Like, you're the guys I hang out with, the guys I do life with. Um, and so like, as I'm preaching, I wonder if you can do me a favor and not see this as like a, a, like a them and us type preach where it's like, oh yeah, stage, like pulpit, Distance type of thing. Like uh, I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit, the Day of Pentecost, and I just want to say from the outset, like I'm not preaching from a place of expertise, but trying to work it out. I want to experience this together as a community. I want to do this together. I want to do life together with you guys. I want to. I want to see the Holy Spirit move in our church together. I want to. I want to make like just days that we can mark in the calendar and say, "Do you remember when the Holy Spirit did that thing?" Um, so it's not a them and us thing. And I know like the platform doesn't work for that. Um, I remember the first time I saw this platform. Actually, I thought when I preach, I'm gonna if I do like the like mankles thing and like no socks, I'm gonna have to like vaseline my ankles because because um, you can see a lot up here and you know people be judgmental. You know what I mean? Like they'll uh, they'll like judge your salvation if you're dry. So um, anyway, I've got my socks today. Amen. <laughs> Let me preach because uh, I have too many notes uh, for the time limit. And um, at Bible College, a lecturer once said to me, if you preach, uh, if you're asked to preach for 25 minutes and you preach for 30 minutes, that last five minutes, you're on your own. Like the Holy Spirit left with everyone else's attention. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be quick uh, tonight. Would you pray for, with me on that note? Uh, would you bow your heads, close your eyes if that works for you. Would you pray with me? yeah father we thank you for this moment we thank you that you sent your son Lord Jesus into the world to save people like us people who get it wrong and mess up and and not only that but you sent the spirit to fill us and not to leave us alone Lord so would you today teach us more about your Holy spirit would you give us boldness and courage and vision to go after uh, everything you've called us to I pray for myself, Lord, would you help me to speak in a way that would resonate and uh, be relevant for our lives. Open our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. 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 So, I'm going to open with uh, a quote I heard from a teacher called R.C. Sproul. uh, And he said this, that uh, one of the most uh, difficult virtues to acquire in life is the ability to get past or get overcome disappointment. Uh, the ability to overcome uh, like the unfulfilled expectations that we sometimes have. That disappointment and expectations uh, not met, essentially. It's one of the most difficult things to overcome. And personally, when I think about... Um, This season for me, uh, I can resonate with that so much. And FYI, by season, I'm not being Christianese and talking about my Christian season. Like, you know, uh, I'm talking about uh, this football season. Yeah, really, really serious stuff. So Arsenal Football Club have caused me stress. Uh, they have tested my salvation, my sanctification and my sanity. And I am accepting prayers afterwards. But this season really stressful, honestly. Uh, and my mum, God bless her, anytime she sees me watching a, a football match, um, she will like, kind of ask, like, what's the score? And then I whisper, like, usually, mum, we're losing and and bless her she'll just kind of go over and start to warm up some some good good food you know like that good that good jollof rice if you've had it you've had it if you know you know uh, and she does it because she knows that after the match I'm going to be so disappointed, and she doesn't want me to lose my Christianity in front of her telev- television screen. So she warms up some jollof for me, uh, and and it's funny, but it's true. Like disappointment really wrecks us sometimes, and you see it in like the kids when they're uh, playing with that their like, playground toys, and they got like this hammer and they've got like these square pegs and these round pegs and they're like trying to like hammer the the square peg into a round hole and you can literally see the frustration building up and all of a sudden it happens. They throw the mallet across the playground and start screaming their heads off. And some of us still haven't overcome that moment, you know. Uh, And the reality is... Um, no shots fired. But the reality is, is that it's hard to deal with disappointments. Yeah, uh, we, we save money uh, to buy something that we really wanted to have and we finally get it and it just, it just doesn't measure up all the time to what we thought it would be like. Or we go to school and we get a degree to get a, to get a job, to get a position, to get a promotion, and we get there and we feel like it's, it's okay, it's good, but it's not the aspirations that we might have anticipated. And these disappointments are particularly difficult to handle when we have to wait for it as well. Uh, You know, it's delayed gratification, it's the idea that we have to wait and the anticipation builds and builds and builds and we get there and it turns out to be like, you know, blah, whatever. Uh, but it's not just disappointment that messes with us it might be condemnation or shame sometimes when we 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 feel like we're doing the best we can and it's just not enough right Uh, and there's these things that really mess with us and yet when we read the prelude to the day of Pentecost we see that Jesus asks his disciples to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to push past disappointment and doubt and all these things and wait for the Holy Spirit and it's similar to that old testament story you might know of uh, Habakkuk and God gives him a vision God gives Habakkuk a vision and promises um, to give himself his promises to Habakkuk because the prophet is complaining about the misery of his day and God spoke to him in the midst of the promises and said to Habakkuk though it lingers though it seems slow in coming wait wait For I am faithful to perform what I said I will perform. And that's the hardest thing for a Christian to do is to wait for God to fulfill his promises. And yet Jesus does this. He asks us to wait in Acts 1 and tells the disciples to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that was the setup for the day of Pentecost the day of Pentecost, which is a Jewish feast. It was really popular. And sometimes it's called the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Ingatherings or the Feast of Weeks. Uh, and essentially it was like the Jewish Thanksgiving. It was a really important moment. And Jesus picks that day of all days to say, actually, wait for that. and builds this expectation and that's the the context in which we read the passages we're about to read from Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 would you read with me the slides um the words are going to come up on uh the the walls behind me Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 it reads this when the day of Pentecost came they were all together someone say together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let me pause there because We've already seen our first point today, friend, which is this, that the Holy Spirit brings us into expectation. The Holy Spirit brings us into expectation. You see, even though disappointment is such an unpleasant feature in human experience, so much so that studies have suggested that we actually change our behavior and environments just to get away from the pain of disappointment, even despite that inner voice that sometimes plays on us and says actually it's better to play it safe than to uh, make a fool of ourselves. Despite that, we see that the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were willing to risk being stupid or looking dumb just on the off chance that a promise was coming. And as I thought about this, I thought about the challenge it is for us to do the same, to continue to raise the bar of expectancy in our own Christian life, in my Christian life. How often is it so simple just to stay in a place of complacency rather than come to gatherings like this and expect God to do something that we haven't seen him do before? How often is it to to move from a place where church is routine and muscle memory to a place where it's the birthing ground of expectation? How often do we spiritually hunger for something even though our physical hunger is met? Passion for the poor when our pockets are already full. And, and, and this this idea where we're called to be expectant in an age and a culture where expectancy feels like it's, something that we kind of push to the background, we've kind of already got everything in the West. And I, I think this is actually one of the challenges of Western Christianity, the challenge to continually be spiritually expectant when the world tells us we have everything already. Uh, and for me, I remember an experience that I had, um, I had the privilege of going and living in Bangladesh for a couple of months after university. And I remember going out there and it was wonderful, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been to South Asia, but it's, it's beautiful, you see like these rice fields, they cover every like plain of grass, and and it's just incredible. And we, uh, one day we got taken by our guide to um, a local church, and it was a, a mud hut, it was really, really small, probably like the size of like the Ez Devlin installation, really small, and we got taken there and I was thinking, oh, we're probably gonna see what, three or four people, And there was over a hundred people hungry and crying out for God. And I was like, wow, never seen such hunger before. And then after the service, we had the privilege to sit down with the pastors and the leaders of the church, and we had a conversation with one of them. And I remember it still, it was so beautiful because he began to tell us of the story of how we crossed the border of India into Bangladesh, To uh, to flee persecution, and he was saying how God had beautifully provided for him, Uh, and then there was a moment where they started to talk about the scars that they got from being Christians, and he showed it to us. And I, at that point, what do you do? Words feel that they don't really matter much in those moments, and and yet, and yet, he kept speaking and sharing these wonderful truths about Jesus. And you saw in this person, in this community, an expectancy, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And the verse that came to mind is that that exact one in, in the Beatitudes where Jesus says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And we see that in this passage today that the disciples were filled they were filled because they were expectant and the question i asked myself when i was studying this text and the question i ask us is where have we settled where have we settled perhaps you've told yourself something along the lines of i'm never going to be great at reading the bible so i'm just not you know I, 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 perhaps you once prayed powerful prayers for your family your brother your sister or your neighbors or your colleagues and it started to wave, it didn't work, they didn't come to faith, they didn't come to church, they didn't come to that uh, alpha event you invited them to and so you just stopped inviting them. Perhaps the last time you spoke to a colleague uh, at work, it was super awkward. You know those ones where they kind of just brush it aside and just pretend that you just never mentioned Jesus, right? And we said, we're never going to do that again and we settled into this place of fear and complacency. Uh, And I wonder whether you fall into any of those categories, whether we settled into condemnation and guilt, we've given over to the lies of the enemy because they're so prevalent. And we just think, "Yeah, you know, I'm never going to get past this. I'm never going to get past this sin struggle that I have, so I'm just going to settle into it quietly. And if, like me, you feel discrepancy, a gap between what we see in the Pentecost narrative and what our lives is like today, then I wanted to speak into that and and say that the Holy Spirit is the only one that can bring us into expectation again. He's the only one that can bring us out of complacency, out of condemnation, out of shame, out of guilt into a place where we're expecting for God to do the impossible in our lives. It's only the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the Holy Spirit brings us into expectation. But the second point is this, that the Holy Spirit brings us into community. Somebody say community. We hear this word so often, it becomes a bit like, oh, here we go, another talk on socializing and coming to church and whatnot. But, the day of Pentecost is, is just filled with these images of community. We see in verse one, it says that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And we learn something crucial here about the Holy Spirit is that the prelude to God's power is always p- people gathered in a place. It's always people gathered together, expecting in a place just like you and I are tonight. What is God going to do tonight? What chains is he going to break tonight? What dreams is he going to birth in you tonight? I, I, I wonder what things are dormant right now that the spirit in the moment when we have ministry wants to awaken and say, you are to go after that thing and you're not to tell anyone that you can't do it. You're not to speak doubt over your life, but you're going to go into that workplace. You're going to go into your family and you're going to see what I promised you because I am faithful, amen? Amen. And I, and I love this as well because not only is the spirit, not only is community uh, a thing of, of this passage, but community rem- reminds us in this passage that, that the spirit-filled life is not for special deluxe Christians, but it's for all people. It's not like part of the parcel for those who like can fast 100 days with like no food. You know, um, I don't know if anyone can do that here. If you can, pray for me impartation. I need it um, because I feel like I often get it so wrong. Right. I, I feel like all the spiritual disciplines and gifts I, I wanna go after, I, I do it for a minute and then it feels like it, it just peters out. But community is key to bringing us into this place again where we hunger for the spirit. When your brother or sister next to you is hands raised in worship, you think, actually, I know what they went through last year. And if they're praising God like this, so can I. Amen? Not only was community key before Pentecost, but community was a byproduct of Pentecost. You know, as discipleship pastor, it's saying one of the privileges I get to do, uh, have is, is to like kind of see and learn about all the connect groups that we have at church. Uh, and um, yesterday I, I had the privilege of hanging out with my connect group uh, and we went to um, Blackheath, Greenwich. Have I got that right, guys? Can you give me a nod? Yeah. Come on, shout out Black Youth Company. Um, and it was a really cool day. It was really fun. I think we've got, we've got a video coming up. There you here? go. Right,
1: Look this? at What's that.
0: This? Huh? It's a video. Hi, oh, Mum. Um... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what They're I'm cute, about. eh? Can you give it up for my connect group? Come on. Thank you. That's not everyone, but it's some of us. Um, and they're gonna absolutely murder me for sharing that. So uh, if you see a five foot 10 black man outside the brew later running, um, don't call the police. <laughs> this is my connect group for chasing me. Um, please forgive me guys. <laughs> but you know, one of the things about, the coolest parts about being um, one of the coolest parts about uh, having a connect group or being part of church, um, yeah, being part of church isn't just this cool moment to hang out, but it's that we're not just friends, but we're family. Do you believe that? <laughs> it's, we're not just friends, we're family. This isn't just flattery. I, I'm genuinely not just being nice and, and being kind. It's, it's a reality in Scripture. It's a theological reality in Scripture. It's it's a reality that God tries to birth in us time and time again through the writings of Paul. He wants us to know that what is happening here isn't a social club. We're a spiritual family joined together by the blood of Jesus Christ. One of my um, more Christianese friends uh, once told me this. He says that, he said, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. And I thought, <laughs> so moist. Um, <laughs> I was like, who says that? Do you do know what I mean? But, but when, I, when I thought about it, I was like, that is so true. The blood of the covenant, the blood shed by Christ that ties us together, the blood shed on the cross that ties you and I together is thicker than the water of this world, stronger than any other connection. In other words, the blood that ties us together, church, creates a bond between us that's stronger than the grave. And I wonder what our community would look like if we believed that. You know, when I became a Christian at university, it, it wasn't like the kind of uh, romantic stories you hear about, where it's like, oh yeah, God was like giving me like dreams and visions, and I met like John on the island of Patmos and. Do you know what I mean? We got caught up together. Um, for me, it was it was a real moment of isolation, uh, depression, struggles, and, and different things that I went through. Because um, the type of social life that I had before, it, it kind of couldn't follow me into the life I was going into, and, and so I lost pretty much, pretty much all of my friends. And it's not that they kind of hated me for being a Christian it's just that the the things that tied us together didn't hold as much anymore and they didn't respect the new walk I was going in and I found it so difficult to be there and perhaps now that I feel more mature and more built up you know, I, I could withstand some of the environments that they were in but at the time they just thought you know what, whatever with this guy And so it was a time of like depression and isolation and I was really alone. And and for six months, I I was asking and then testing God. I was like, God, can this really be the the good news everyone promises when I feel so bad right now? Can this really be the good news that everyone promises when I feel so alone right now? This community that everyone talks about in church, but I walk in the doors and I walk out and I still haven't made a, a genuine friend, someone that I can confide in. And it wasn't until about five, six months later that God actually provided me with such a beautiful friendship group. One of my friends that I met at uni is actually here today. And and it's just for me, one of the hallmarks when I look at that, that group, I look at God's faithfulness. that God promised that he wouldn't leave me alone. He wouldn't leave us alone. And he brings us into community. Amen. So one, the Holy Spirit brings us into expectancy. Two, the Holy Spirit brings us into community and it's true and it's genuine. And the third point is this, that the Holy Spirit brings us into love. This, this point for me is, is one that, if, if I'm being honest, I, I wrote it down, but I haven't lived it out fully. I really want to get to a place where I'm like, God, what does this truly mean? Because I believe that if if we grasp, if I grasp this, if we grasp this, this this changes everything. You know, there's a couple ways to think about the Pentecost. Some people think about it as like a narrative that never happened. It's just a made up story. Others see it as a historical event. It was really good for those guys back then, those disciples, but we live in a real world now and we have relevant issues and we have social media feeds and it doesn't work the same. And then some people just see it as like this kind of, place where they can just draw out power whenever they want like they can just go to the story of Pentecost and just claim it for today and they don't really have an association with it but you know when I read about the day of Pentecost I read it as a love story and I want to explain what I mean by that you know Jesus spent many of his last days doing one particular thing I mean he did many things but there was one thing in particular that he continued to do you know what it is, what, what that thing was that he kept doing? Some of you might think, you know, was it him teaching about the kingdom? It, it, it was that, but it, it, there's also something else. Was it him showing convincing proofs? It was that Luke says that in Acts, but there was something else. And when I studied John and the narratives of Jesus, I found that he continually, especially in the latter stages, did one thing, which was point to the Holy Spirit. He kept saying, look for the advocate who's about to come. Look for the spirit who's about to come. He will help you and guide you into all truth. Look for the spirit. He is gentle and he is kind and he will teach you all things. Look for the person of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit I have known for an eternity and I know the Holy Spirit's character and I know what the Holy Spirit will do if we allow him in. And so Jesus does, uh, he basically shows his love he 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 expands his love for us on the pages of scripture and he says look for the spirit look for the spirit look for the spirit and then the day of Pentecost and what happens the spirit is poured out and the spirit says in return to us look for Jesus look at Jesus he's so beautiful he's so marvelous he's so wonderful and as I was studying this, I, I was kind of blown away that Jesus is caught up in this love story where he continually points to the Spirit in his last days and then the Spirit comes and says, "But why don't you look at him? He's so wonderful. And, and I realised that one of the things that the Spirit does is make us fall deeper in love with Jesus. It's, it's his heart, it's his goal. And I believe that the Spirit wants to do, us, do that to us tonight to help us to fall in love with Jesus. I don't know where you've been at this week, or this month, or this year. I don't know how you're doing in your spiritual walk. I don't know what struggles you, may ha- you might have, what dreams you've put on hold. But the Spirit does. And he wants to fill us tonight with the knowledge that he knows us dearly. And he wants to introduce us, reintroduce us to the love of Jesus. So in this moment, I wonder whether you would pray with me. If you would bow your heads, close your eyes with me. He wants to bring us into a love for Jesus. If you struggle with condemnation and guilt, he wants to fill you and tell you that for every look you take at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. If you wrestle with sin and struggles, he wants to fill you and remind you that whilst you have a great need for Christ, you have a great Christ also for your need. if you have a tendency to overwork and and wrestle with a performance mindset, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you and give you the assurance that you are already affirmed in Jesus and no accolade can ever prove that. And if you want to recapture or sustain your first love fire that you once had for God and push past routine and get get out of the way of the mundane and doing church as usual and you want to be set on fire, then the Holy Spirit wants to fill you right now and give you power beyond imagination. The question isn't whether he wants to, but whether we are willing. For the Spirit is gentle and he will not force you out of your seat. But if we rise to this invitation, he always responds. And just like God told Habakkuk, he is faithful. He is faithful to do it. So I wonder whether you stay in this posture of expectancy. Uh, We're going to pray into this, and I'm going to invite Al up to pray with us as well. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.chat. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.